Well, it's that time again. We're separated by space and time, but our love of movies remains the same. Philip Malloy sitting in my chair for movies and television as he does on every Wednesday evening for the last uh, decade and a half. Uh, mm. Philip, you have a couple of new movies or yeah, have you? Yeah, well, yeah. Just I suppose the two main um, movie releases of the week are the BFG um, and uh, Star Trek Beyond. Now, the BFG, George, is basically Steven Spielberg meets Roald Dahl. I don't know how you are on Roald Dahl, but to me, he's always been one of the best sort of uh, spinners of fairy tales. They, his 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 stories have an edge which I don't think other people have. In uh, this case, it's BFG. The BFG uh, stands for Big Friendly Giant, and this. Is it could be said actually uh, the cars you notice early on are Morris Miners, so it could be kind of set in lamps in the street, cobblestones. So it could be set maybe at a lot of different times in London, but it seems to be set around in the fifties. And uh, what we have is this B, big B, BFG, and his job in, in life is to catch dreams and distribute them um, while while people sleep by way of what he calls a trumpet-like dream blower. And uh, when a, a precocious orphan named Sophie spies him one night he kidnaps her and takes her back to giant country where the two become friends and, and sort of ultimately allies uh, against okay, the, the, the hulking neighbours yeah yeah I don't know anything about Roald Dahl yeah, okay. I never I, my well, kind well, of you're, 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 you're unusual then in that regard because there's I am, thousands I am. and thousands and thousands and thousands and we're dealing and that's what we're, we're, we're trying to satisfy George the listener no, I agree. I, I did Dr. Zeus, I remember. I mm. read an awful lot of Dr. I don't mean me as a child now. I mean my me with my children. Yeah. I I did Dr. Zeus with them, I remember. I wasn't a great reader of stories to my children I, at all. Yeah. Well, but yeah. but Dal, um, this is Spielberg. Now, how do you, as like a movie critic, yeah. how do you work with Spielberg, yeah. who goes from yeah, no. uh, Roald Dahl hmm. to the Holocaust? Well, that's the way it is, and that's something I think that a lot of people can't really understand. He has this tendency, as you say, to alternate between Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan, and then E.T. and Tintin and and the BFG, and uh, a lot of people. He's seventy now, and he's generally considered to be uh, okay we're talking about a guy who goes back to the late 60s and where he's I think he's, he's directed about 31 movies so we're talking about a guy a gifted seriously gifted probably the most naturally gifted filmmaker in the history of cinema and you know he can't grow up <laughs> he can't grow up i mean he can't he, he can't dedicate himself sort of fully to sort of more mature types of cinema and that's the that's the problem here with him so one of the things i thought we might do george is throw this thing open to our listeners and ask them first of all what are his best films and which side of spielberg do they like best that's good although the first text in say, says that spielberg has yet to beat jurassic park Oh, that's that's interesting. Jurassic Park is, I think, is is um, is uh, overblown. Well, it is a bit, and uh, it's um, but it is more more than anything else. I think it is a huge special effects exercise, an impressive one. It does well, but in in terms of storytelling, it's just very kind of basic storytelling. It's the special effects that win it for for the movie. 
Now, Spielberg made a movie, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking you here, mm, mm. which had your man in it, uh, your man, mm. he was a sheriff later on in a television series, but the thing was about him in a motor car being chased by Den, a guy Den, in a Den, truck. Den, Dennis Weaver is the guy you're talking Dennis about. Dennis Weaver, And yeah. the name of the movie is Jewel. And when I say when I say he made he's directed Thirty One, it, it could be Thirty or Thirty One because Jewel was actually made for television in the United States. Oh. It was released in cinemas on this side of the Atlantic and became um, a much admired hit on this side of the Atlantic. I I really loved it because mm. like you had no idea who the person you never saw the person in the truck. Mm. Uh, it it was really kind of frightening because your man would would go in and have a sandwich mm. and he'd mm. come out and the truck would be purring away just down the road and Brendan I think he misunderstood you he didn't understand that what you were talking about is uh, that there is a difference between the two Spielbergs yeah. the child films like I saw E.T. in the old green cinema in mm. Dublin with, with my kids and I thought it was unbelievable you liked it Oh, I thought E.T. was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, But nothing will beat, for me, uh, Schindler's List. Mm. I mean, I remember the entire family went to Schindler's List, and Alison must have been, it was in the Savoy, and Alison must have been about nine or ten. And she came back. And she saw Schindler's List. Yeah, and she said to me, Dad, that is the greatest film I've ever seen. At nine or ten. <laughs> I'm sure she had seen a lot. By that a lot of votes for Jaws. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jaws, is, I think, is a great, great movie. And um, it's, it's certainly one of his best. But uh, again, it's a movie that uh, established kind of um, uh, new ideas of what entertainment in the cinema is, I think. Um, and it, but, but, but as well, it, 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 it was against the odds uh, success, George. They, were, they actually made this off Martha's Vineyard. They couldn't get the bloody um, uh, shark to float for ages. It kept sinking <laughs> to the bottom of the, of the sea. And it cost more and more and more. I think it went on. I think the shoot went on for something like 156 days. And uh, so nobody. And then um, it gets into the editing suite in, um, in you know, I think it's Universal. And uh, they absolutely transform it. And uh, it's, it's a great, great movie. Yeah, I was looking somewhere on, on Jaws about uh, the mistakes they made. Apparently, if you shoot at one of those canisters, they don't actually explode. <laughs> I see. Yeah. yeah, and oh, Ian reminds me that Willy Wonka was Roald Dahl. Yeah. I didn't realize no, Willy wait, Wonka no, no. with Gene Wilder. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, uh, The Witches, uh, um, uh, um, James and the Giant Peach, which I absolutely love. Um, but all- Jay, sorry, you asked about Spielberg, yeah. and Joe is saying 1941. Was that not terrible 19, movie? No, in my I think my, I think 1941 was a disaster. I have to say. Yes, um, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a John Belushi movie. I, I don't know if for sure if he really realized what he was doing in casting Belushi, uh, but it was a jumble. It was an awful sort of a, a World War II sort of comedy that was a, fear, a real jumble. But that would have been his uh, worst movie, would it? Yeah, I'd say I'd say it's it's up there as 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 this. There are there are quite a few sort of medium movies as well. But then there's great stuff, and uh, there's the thing is with stuff like uh, Tintin. Um, 
you, I don't know. I mean, you wouldn't see Scorsese doing this. You wouldn't see Paul Thomas Anderson making these kind of movies. Yeah, but for it's some risky, reason, yeah. yeah. But for some reason, he needs to make them, and again and again, and he keeps coming back to him. And one of the interesting things, by the way, if you look him up in um, uh, IMDb, you'll see okay the, his list uh, as a director. But if you if you look further. George, he has made a, a ferocious number of movies as executive producer and uh, in, uh, in other capacities that basically he's, he's, he's helped other people to make movies. Uh, and he's a huge influence in that regard. And I, I think that's where you really start to question the kind of choices that he makes. What about uh, Munich that a listener mm, says was yeah. a great historical uh, movie? You see, you see, when he he does something like that, or he does something like Schindler's List, he can make these movies better than anybody else. He's he's a real, as I say, he's a really seriously gifted natural filmmaker, and uh, and that's why people question him. That's why people say he can do these things. So why not devote himself to doing stuff that is mature, that is yeah. for grown ups, that is for older people. He has a hundred and fifty eight credits yeah. as a producer. Yeah, there you go. Listen. One of the things you do very well mm. um, is you look back at old television yeah. series. Yeah. And uh, I, I think uh, that that can be really good. But mm. but first, though, uh, Gary Marshall yeah. has died. Now, that might mean a lot to uh, mm. many people, but Gary Marshall was a huge director. Yeah, no, he was. And one thing leads to another here, yeah, uh, when, when you're talking about the old TV. First of all, he's, 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 okay, he was a director. He died at the age of 81. And he, he was the guy who began um, making The Lucy Show and The Dick Van Dyke Show, which was one of the great, great successes um, of early television, black and white television in the late 50s in America. And then he went on and to create The Odd Couple. And uh, then, of course, he created absolutely the absolute sort of smash hit uh, Happy Days and he did things he did spin-offs from Happy Days like Laverne and Shirley I think his sister played one of the main characters in that and Mork and Mindy and then he went to he turned uh, you know at a relatively sort of older age he turned to the cinema did a, a one that I like uh, called Young Doctors in Love and then he went on and his huge success his big success his outstanding success um, was Pretty Woman with Julia Julia Roberts. Yeah, now mm. I, 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 I never know about Pretty Woman because uh, I, I, I remember Clark Gable. I have to go way back, of mm. course, but it, another kind of man, woman, a different kind of woman, but uh, Clark Gable and Paulette Goddard, wasn't mm, it? Mm. Do you remember that one where she was a runaway heiress and he was a, a thing? Like, I never bought a uh, uh, Julia Roberts at all in mm. that movie. I I, I mean Why? I I well I I can't choose the word on this program <laughs> uh, beginning with W, mm. but I don't I prefer my ladies of the night to be ladies of the so night. So you, you think you she was kind of I mean? you think she was kind of caught in the middle. She wasn't a, 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 uh, she was goody too. She, she was yeah, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah. Well, I think I think it was meant to be um, a kind of a fairy story, a kind of a you know. Um, I really liked the fella who was the head waiter or whatever who kept teaching her how to use the desserts. H- Hector Hector Elizondo, lovely actor. 
Absolutely yeah, gorgeous. That's right. Well done. Yeah. So anyway, Gary Marshall made the television series that you want to talk about. Yeah, he, he made uh, The Odd Couple. And to me, The Odd Couple is one of the most flexible comedy subjects in the absolute whole history um, of entertainment. Began, you know all this stuff. It began in 1965 as a stage play uh, written by Neil Simon. And uh, uh, from the beginning, uh, Walter Matthau was involved in it. Then uh, Billy Wilder made a, a film version with Matthew and Jack Lemmon the first I think it was their first time together and they eventually did about nine or ten movies together then it transferred to TV with Tony Randall and Jack Klugman and that's what we're talking about here for six seasons in 1970 and then there was an African American version called the you kidding me yes called the Oddball Couple (laughs) (laughs) now just Klugman and Randall are interesting because Klugman like the Odd Couple surely made Klugman yeah yeah, well, I mean, he didn't have a great career prior. Well, no, to he that. he was okay, George. I mean, he was one of those actors who um, who kept coming up again and again. Guest stars, George. This guy was the prince yeah. of guest stars. He was a he had all kinds of guest starring roles in from the the late fifties in America when you had live television uh, all through the sixties, and eventually um, he started to do some movies as well. And eventually, then he got this role um, of Oscar Madison in the uh, in the Odd Couple opposite. Uh, Tony Randall as the as Felix Unger, but the the thing about I think Randall and um, uh, the, the Klugman was mm. you didn't really keep saying to yourself where are Matthau and Jack. No, I think that uh, was no, no, their no, that, their su- great achievement. Yeah, that's a superb point. That's a really good point. Um, they 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 did it for themselves. They actually. They shaped it out for themselves, and uh, they weren't. They, I suppose they were different, but they were as, as uh, you know, as, as effective um, as the uh, as the others were. But Tony Randall was brilliant mm. at those kind of characters. There was another one. I, it was in a movie, I think, with uh, uh, Rock Hudson mm. and Doris Day, where he kept going to the psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist <laughs> used to get tips from the stock exchange right. when he was kind of hypnotized. Is that Let's he Make Love? Brilliant I think that's Let's Make Love. Yeah. 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 He was brilliant at that kind of character. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But, by um, the way, just a, a nice little thing that will appeal to you is um, it, I, 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 towards the end uh, that's in the sixth series. Klugman was just earning a fee of seven thousand uh, per episode. But what he had done was he had exchanged this weekly fee for ten percent ownership of the show, and he made a fortune out of it. Well, I, a listener reminds me, right? Mm. A listener reminds me, and I remember. Klugman in 12 Angry Men where he said I come from that kind of neighbourhood you would never stab downward with that kind of knife you know <laughs> or stab upward do you remember that? Yeah, I do Listen to oh some, he was fabulous in 12 l- Angry Men what about the, some music, of the music kiddo? Here, here's the music from the main theme from uh, The Odd Couple
Oh, yeah. Uh, Neil Hefty yeah. only uh, was better in Duel at Diablo. No, That's absolutely. Yeah, Duel at Diablo. I love Duel at Diablo. But it, it's, it's, just think, George, he actually did the Batman team and he also did the odd couple. I mean, they're very different. They're very diverse. Like, And as you say, he did, he did a great Western. This guy was a, a jazz trumpeter, so you wouldn't think you'd get that kind of stuff out of him. He did Duel at Diablo. He did, I, 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 there's an Elaine May. She Elaine May uh, had a double act with uh, um, uh, Mike Nichols when she was in, in the 50s and the 60s and eventually she went out on her own and eventually became a director and she directed this farce called A New Leaf which is hilarious and then uh, what happened was a whole string of sex comedies uh, they used Neil Hefty's music Sex and the Single Girl if you remember that Boing Boing the Tony Curtis Tony Curtis one How to Murder Your Wife um, which is Jack Lemmon and he, he did music as well for two other film versions of Neil Simon plays Barefoot in the Park and The Last of the Red Hot Lovers Oh, you're still getting enormous reaction yeah. on uh, Spielberg, Empire yeah. of the Sun, for instance. Uh, a lot of people on Schindler's List, of course, but also the Colour Purple and Minority Report. Ah. Um, uh, Paul thinks Schindler held back in Schindler's List. Spielberg held back. No. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, what I think there, yeah, well, well, I think there's a case for saying that. Well, for not showing too much. I mean, the, you know, the, the one thing that you need only needed to show was the the uh, Ray Fiennes character up on the the roof yeah. and basically picking off people, Jews working down in the in the yard, yeah. and 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 George, it's. <laughs> God, it was, you'd almost throw up. It was disgraceful, absolutely, utterly yeah. disgraceful. And that's all you needed to show, George. But and, and, right. and he did show that. And what he did was less is more. It's a less is more. So you hear this kind of, uh, that, that kind of saying for the, in the cinema all the time. And that's what happened here. All right. Your latest book. Oh, yes. Um, I, I referred to this um, uh, uh, last week, and I think it's absolutely hilarious. It's a book, George, called The World According to the Movies, and it's written by a historian called uh, Alex von Tunzelman. And uh, now I'll just, there's a couple of things in it here which, which just illustrate the way it works and what it's like. First of all, if you take something like Spartacus, and as you know, at the end of Spartacus, um, all the slaves, this, this, um, this um, Roman general, called Crassus who was played by Lawrence Olivier he asks these hundreds of slaves who is Spartacus and they all of course stand up and say I am Spartacus now this never happened needless to say this never happened Spartacus was never captured he was killed by a spear through his tie um, during an attack and that basically is it now Oliver Stone's Alexander in 2004 it's describing this book as a master class in how to make one of the most interesting characters history seem trivial and boring it says the the real alexander conquered 30 oliver stone just made one and uh, then she she recalls i don't know if you remember el Cid in 1961 and is one she says that's one of the most spectacular um um, history movies in in hollywood history and um uh, spain's dictator at the time was general franco and he flattered himself that he might be compared to the Cid when the movie came out and he loaned filmmakers 3,000 soldiers and 1,000 uh, mounted policemen. And the result, the book says, was 
sublime cinema and awful history. The Cid did not, as the film suggests, uh, take Valencia by giving um, uh, bread to the people. He ransacked surrounding villages. He starved the city, took it by assault and uh, seized all its riches. And uh, there's a a multiplicity of other interesting stories in this book. And maybe we'll come back to them from time to time. Uh, But it's that kind of stuff. What it does, what it does basically is it takes uh, the the cinema version of a story and it it puts it alongside the real version of the story. Well, you know, um, people probably don't realize that you and I have been talking about movies for over 14 years. You were Mm. on the very first week of The Right Hook. And The Right Hook goes off the air on Friday week, 29th of July. This is your penultimate performance. So I know you're saving your very best Mm. for next week. we, I, I'm not sure what you and I will do, but uh, uh, we'll do it next Wednesday. Uh, by the way, who's on the picture show this week? Okay, we have uh, Simon Pegg, and Simon Pegg is one of the stars of the Star Trek movies. Um, and also we have uh, uh, P- Penelope Wilson. Penelope Wilson played Matthew Crawley's mother, you may remember, in Downton Abbey. And uh, uh, we also have um, Rebecca Hall, lovely actress called Rebecca Hall. So. Now, Oh, you know me in World War Two. I'm really interested in this thing. Anthropoid, is it? Is that what you call it's, it? It's called Anthropoid. Anthropoid. All oh, right. And it's it's described as one of the, the most extraordinarily uh, true stories of the Second World War. And it goes on release here with two Irish actors starring, by the way, on the 9th of September. And it follows uh, two soldiers from the Czech army in exile. They're played by Killian Murphy and uh, Jamie Dornan. And they're parachuted into their homeland, obviously, in Czechoslovakia in December 1941. Uh, and basically, their mission is to to kill uh, the the butcher of Prague, who's uh, Heinrich um, uh, Reinhard Heydrich. Who Heidrich, was Heidrich, yeah. yeah, who a really interesting thing about him: the assassination was botched. Right, they yeah. threw a grenade in, didn't kill uh, Heydrich, but what killed him? And then the Nazis carried out appalling atrocities of revenge. But what killed him was the grenade blew the seat that he was sitting on, mm. and the stuffing, a piece of the stuffing from the seat penetrated his body and that's what killed him. Ah. And he, he, he uh, by the way, it, it, they, shot it, it, they shot some of it in Prague and I was talking to some of the filmmakers and they were telling me they actually saw the, the, the cathedral in, 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 in Prague where one of the ambushes uh, took place and there were still, uh, still the bullet marks, the bullet holes wow. from the ambush and they also actually shot in the vaults um, in the cathedral that the Nazis used as their headquarters. So Right. Now, Sheila Offaly, of course, correctly says Jack Klugman played Quincy M. No, he did, yeah. Yeah, did. Um, he went a, a year, uh, just a year sort of after um, the the, uh, the, uh, the Odd Couple ended, uh, he went into, I think, about 156 episodes of Quincy. And right. uh, so what he had You're, was enormously... You, Sorry for interrupting you, but I have a mm. query from a listener. They're driving to Cork in the Triscoll Theatre tonight. We're seeing the new Ken Wardrop film. You've seen that, haven't oh, you? Oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. In fact, I, I like the two. Um, this is called um, Mom and Me, and the, the one before that then was His and Hers. And he, I, he's, there's, I have to say... Um, you, you, you don't get documentary filmmakers like this guy. First of all, he, he gets up close to his subjects and the subjects are very, very um, 
they're, they're, the, the movies are as powerfully done, I think, as the best type of feature. And um, so he, he, he makes the, he personalizes the stories in a big way. So you become, as I say, up close, you become involved in the lives of these people. And in this case, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago there. It's set in the in the manliest state in the union, which uh, um, which is is Oklahoma. And uh, it's basically about this uh, this radio uh, station presenter um, who invites on Mother's Day. He invites um, men uh, to send in uh, accounts of their relationships with their mothers. And what Ken did was he actually he sought this thing out, and basically he sought a lot of the the mothers and sons out as well, and it's put together beautifully. Well, just before you go, that political thriller that Lister was on about yeah. winter quail kills with Jeff Bridges and John Houston, mm. uh, you, you you can tell him something about yeah, that. Yeah, that, that that was last week. It's uh, it's from 1979. It was directed by a guy called w- William Reichart, and it co-stars Anthony Perkins, Sterling, great cast, uh, uh, Sterling Hayden, Eli Wallach, Dorothy Malone, and Richard Boone. And it was based on a book. This is really interesting by Richard Condon. Uh, Richard Condon did the Manchurian Candidate, and as far as I recall, George, he actually lived in Tipperary. You may have noticed he did. He did yeah, that. the Charlie Hawhey tax That's amnesty yeah, for yeah. writers. Yeah. yeah, so he lived there for a long time, and and uh, this 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 movie is uh, Jeff Bridges. He plays the heir to this kind of political dynasty, this Kennedy-like political dynasty, whose brother, the President of the United States, was assassinated, and when this kind of dying man comes to him and confesses, confesses that he was also in involved in the killing, the Bridges character then begins to um, investigate. Um, I, I, I actually have it at home. I, I, I looked it up last night and um, it's, I don't think it's brilliant, but it, it's interesting. Okay. A lot of queries on your book. It's called Real History, or W-E-L, Real History, The World According to the Movies by Alex Van Tunselman. And you might, I'm going to have a look now tonight and see, can I download? And uh, uh, everybody disappointed that we're finishing up uh, on next Wednesday, of course, the right hook finishing on July the 29th. Uh, there's a kind of heaven for people like Philip and I mm-hmm. uh, where we watch the same movie The Magnificent Seven over and over again that's will be happiness for us Philip back next Wednesday